His scenic design work in New York has ranged from epics like the original Sweeney Todd, the original Ragtime, Wicked, and the 1994 revival of Showboat, to the original The Normal Heart at the Public Theater, and, recently, The Other Place for MCC Theater. He also has extensive regional credits at such regional theaters as Arena Stage, The Goodman, Long Wharf, and especially Trinity Repertory Company in Rhode Island, where he became resident designer in 1967. And amidst all this, he has been the set designer for television's Saturday Night Live since its debut. Welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Downstage Center. I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing, and it's a special treat for me to meet Eugene Lee. Welcome. Thank you. Nice to meet you. I'm going to start in the middle. The story about the set for Sweeney Todd was what I saw when I was in high school on that stage really pieces in the abandoned factory that you found, or was it the recreation of something that you saw? Oh, well, I, I don't know. It was all uh, its all very real, actually. Uh, uh, I mean, it was kind of a mistake, actually, when you dredge back the memories. You know, we had done Candide from Mr. Prince, and it was always our thought that when he asked me to uh, do Sweeney Todd, that we would put it into the Broadway theater where we had already done some damage. But of course, there was, as I recall, some kind of music strike and Candide closed early. And then I was very difficult, you know, in those days. I I didn't want to do it in a proscenium theater. And uh, so we looked everywhere. We looked at the docks. We we tried to find any other possible location to, uh, to do Srini Todd other than a theater. And and eventually, the Harold was off to his house in Spain or wherever it was, and we had to make a decision. So we went to the, uh, what was it called, the Urus at that time, you know, and uh, that's... Um, yeah, so I ramble. I'm sorry. I, you know, yes, it was all real stuff. When I went in with Wicked a few years back, I'm sentimental about that theater. They changed its name, of course. They call it the Gershwin now. And you could see on the back wall where we had to chip away the brick to get at the I beams to anchor the set because it was one of those really heavy, heavy affairs. You know, had big I beams and uh, overhead cranes and things. Yeah, we used real stuff. Stagehands reminded me of it, too, when I, I was there. <laughs> Bitterly? Uh, no, no, they kind of liked it, I think. I, all I can say on just a side note is when we were loading in that set, the metal workers stopped work for a day because they stopped the stagehands from loading it in because it was set so much metal that they thought it was their work, not stagehands. <laughs> It's true. Why the impulse to do Sweeney Todd initially in a non-traditional space? You say you looked at the docks, you looked everywhere. Oh, well, you know, it's only in recent years that uh, I've done any proscenium work at all. You know, I, I guess you just, uh, they've made it so hard, the building departments, you know, have new fire laws and all kinds of rules make it kind of hard to use uh, non-traditional spaces, you know, so, uh, you know, that's all. Hmm. I prefer starting with just an empty space if I had a choice in life, but, you know, you can't always do that. How did you start in set design? Where did the impulse come from? 
Oh, it's all very simple. You know, I grew up in Beloit, Wisconsin, a little blue collar town. My twin brother and I, you know, uh, my parents were in community theater. My father acted. My mother worked on props. Then when I went off to high school, we had this terrific theater. It was a new high school and it had, I've never seen anything like it in any place else. You know, it had two theaters had a fly system, had a lighting board. It was at a a workshop. They basically gave me the key to the place, and I don't remember anything about high school than working in the theater there, and that's how it kind of got started. They took us to Chicago every year to see plays. You know, that was the yearly thing. They took us in a bus from Beloit to uh, Chicago. They turned us around Skid Row. They always did that. I don't know. Maybe to show how, how the world, how hard the world is, really. And this this was a thing they did. They did this, and then they took us to lunch, and and took us to a Broadway play, a road company. You but know. you were always drawn to the scenery. It was the shop. Oh, it know, was the yeah, building. Yeah. Well, I thought I, you know, to be honest, uh, if I thought I could have made a money as a sculptor or something or an artist, I might have gone that way. But that just seemed impossible to make a living that way. And at least theater seemed. Having been to Chicago, having seen, I remember seeing My Fair Lady, King and I, No Time for Sergeants, all those. You could kind of imagine you could do that. You know, that seemed like a real job. You know, my brother, on the other hand, he got a commission, went off to West Point, couldn't have been more uh, far away than me. And then, you know. Hmm. You must be one of the few guests I've ever had who say that you looked to theater as the more stable option for a career. (laughs) Well, it's true, I think. You went to several colleges. Oh, you yeah. weren't happy with a lot of the places you went. And, and well, I read one quote I, where you said you, they gave you degrees after the fact. Well, this is all true. I, but uh, I don't want to rewrite history. I, I don't know. It's, uh, my brother went off to West Point. I went off to the University of Wisconsin because I was expected to go to college. And it was, I, there was no drama program there, but... I, you know, I could get in, and I, I'd never been away from home, so it was kind of exciting, actually. You know, I, I'd never been away from home, so it was really interesting. You know, you had to iron your own clothes, and then there was no theater program, and then I decided to stay on into the summer session, and there was a, an actual design program, a, a class for hmm. set design. And it, in retrospect, I think it was for teachers to know a little bit about the theater. And so as part of that program, two things happened. This is all. One is that they took us to the theater, to show us the theater, which was really a quite beautiful theater. You know, it's in, in a lot of books, you know, famous theater. And there was a set on the stage for the bad seed. And uh, some teacher asked, who designs these? And the guy who ran the theater, a kind of crazy guy, Fred Berkey, as I think his name was, and he said, he looked at this teacher and said, you want to do the next one? And the teacher said, no, 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 no. And I was standing in the back, and I just said, I'd love to do it. And he didn't even, he said, see me tomorrow. And so I went and talked to him. I had a big show for me, you know. And then I called my father, who was a mechanical engineer, and said, could you send me a drawing board? And he sent me down a drawing board and a beautiful German left-handed drafting machine. So anyway, I did that show. That was kind of fun. And then we didn't have television sets of those days. We're like in... We didn't have them in the rooms, you know. There was some common room where, mm-hmm. in the dormitory. There was a television set, and I saw Holland Hayes talking about Carnegie Tech, and I thought to myself, "This is terrific! Why am I here?" I got in my Volkswagen that my grandmother had given me, and just 
drove to Pittsburgh and walked in the front door. It was incredibly scary and hmm. said, hi, I'm here. And I had my work from high school and I had my work, the, my, the one set I did in, in Wisconsin. And they took me and they said, you speak real funny. You can't be in the famous speech teacher who was head of things and who I interviewed me and said, you know, you have to work on your speech. You know, you, you, we'll give you a person. You to know. be a designer, you had yeah, to work well, that, on your well, speech. Yeah, well, they were when Carnegie Tech. It was kind of a, my, my favorite school, actually. I don't know how it is now, but they always made you take a lot of different things, acting classes, uh, movement classes. Boy, did mm-hmm. I hate those. So it was, it was, anyway, so I it went, was finishing I, I went school there. and, and uh, theater school. Anyway, I went there, and that was fine. And then I stayed over in the summer, and I met a lot of good people there I still know and like, you know, which is the best thing about school. And, and then I, the next year, I was having some problem. I came back, and I was having some problem. I hate to go into the details of it, but anyway, it wasn't so much that I hated it. I, the school, I, you know, Jules Fisher had gone there the year it had left there by the time I went there, but I had heard that he had his own studio. And, of course, I really liked that thought, and I went to the head of the school, Ted Hoffman, and and said, Hi, I'm Eugene. I heard that Jules Fisher got a special studio. I want one, too. And he was so shocked, I think, that I came in and asked for this. I got one. The Edwards House, it was called, and, and they gave me a whole room, and I set up my studio there, you know, then they, next door there, <laughs> they were, there, there was a classroom. Sometimes I could just walk out of my studio right to class. Hmm. Anyway, I don't know. I was unhappy. I had some fight over something. I don't even, or something, I, or maybe it was a girl. I don't remember anymore. But all I remember is I left in a huff, you know, I left. And then I'd always heard about the Goodman Theater, having gone to Chicago every year. And so I just went to the Goodman and was underground. It was, you know, by the lake. I guess I said, you know, I went to Carnegie Tech and I don't like them anymore. I want to go here. And this is the school. The, the school, Goodman, yes, right. which was then at the associated with the Art Institute. Okay? Right. And then I stayed there a year, met a lot of nice people, got into the union, did a few operas, you know. But by then I learned that the Yale Drama School, everyone there was working. That's where people went, you know. And I have a little connection with Yale, funnily enough, I can tell you about. It's kind of interesting. So anyway, I left Chicago just like I left in my car, drove to New Haven, walked in the door and said, I've been there, I hate it, I've been there, I hate it, I want to be here. And then they said yes, you know, and and uh, and Mr. Onslager was the design it's teacher. Donald Onslager, Donald famous Onslager, designer, wonderful, interesting guy. You know, always said "Merry Money" was his <laughs> uh, his motto. Uh, he did, Zork. Anyway, uh, and then you know, I don't know about the time I went to Yale. I got an offer to work. Uh, with Andre Gregory in Philadelphia. That exactly. was the old Theater of the Living Arts, right? Exactly what I always wanted. I always wanted to be associated with a kind of established theater company. This is what I always thought. And, and Andre had started that. He, he saw it as kind of like the Berliner Ensemble kind of another interesting theater. I, but it didn't last long. The board fired him, and it all fell apart. Um, well, for people yeah. who don't remember that company, I, I just interject that – you say an established theater company. It was an avant-garde oh, yes, experimental well, theater company. Well, of course, I still work for Andre. I just finished, you know, The Master Builder with him, my favorite kind of work. You know, it's the best thing I've done in the last decade. Uh, 
they rehearsed it for 11 years. So, and we just did it downtown in a little townhouse, you know, 27 seats. Hmm. Really, really fabulous. My friend Oscar went. I heard he, I heard he cried, hmm. which made me happy. So we, we don't, we hope to do something. It, it's a wonderful piece. I've done the Master Builder a number of times. It's the first time I think we've ever succeeded. It's a, what makes you say something is your best work in, in a decade? What, what is it about that project? Well, it just is. It's, it, it is. Uh, it, it may not be the best. I don't know if it's the best, but I, I was very happy with it. I don't know how to make it commercially possible with 27 seats. Probably Oscar's problem, too. Hmm. And when you say but back to the education. Well, before we go, you're saying yeah. your friend Oscar. Would this be your friend Oscar Eustace? Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Oscar, Just wanted to Oscar be clear. Eustace, yes, yes. Well, okay, but back to education. Uh, dear so friend. Yale. Yeah, well, anyway, so then that was it, and then I went to work because work was much more fun than school, actually. I mean, and then, you know, I don't know, the degrees, I don't know, it's just funny, you know, one day uh, the Goodman just sent the degree, just came in the mail, almost got tossed, <laughs> could have been tossed out with junk mail, you know, it's like, oh, look, a degree. And then that was that, and then um, Carnegie Tech changed his name to Carnegie Mullen. And I was down talking to students, which I like to do, and uh, always a good thing. And uh, particularly as you get older, it's even better. I was having dinner with the head of the school, and the degree came up in just casual conversation. And uh, I, you don't have your degree? No, I, no, I never got a degree. I only went a year. You know, and they said we'll look into it, and they call my wife the next day, and they say uh, we're happy to give Mr. Lee the degree. There'll be a small fee. And she kind of braced herself, I think, and and uh, thirty-seven fifty or something like that <laughs> dollars. You know, Overdue library books. That's the books. actual cost. No, that's the actual cost of the printing of the degree, <laughs> which is quite beautiful. Uh, Andrew Carnegie's motto is on the top: "My my heart is in the work." Very nice. And then they, I didn't go. They sent it in the mail, framed it up. And then uh, on Saturday Night Live, one year, I lost my costume designer, so I needed a costume designer. So I hired Carrie Robbins, who was in my class. She went all, all three years, wonderful girl. She said to me one day, you should have your degree. And I went, yeah, well. I, she said, look, I'll write a letter if you'll sign a letter. Hmm. So I said, okay. Write it up. I'll sign anything. So I, she wrote some nonsense, and uh, I signed it, I guess, and sent it down to New Haven. And they invited me right down. Ming, because Donald was long Ming gone. Cho Ming, was, Ming Cho Lee was in charge. And, and he, you know, they invited me down. And I brought along my portfolio, you know, which I rarely do. And uh, it, it just laid there like the elephant in the room. No one ever opened it or said anything about it. You know, it was just lying there. And then they ha it was a nice lunch. And then that year they invited me down and, and to get the degree. And they I went down and it was very nice. I stood in the back of the old theater where they hand out the degrees. And you know, it's done there. And uh, it's a wonderful degree, by the way, Latin, all very classy. <laughs> uh, and they even, no, this is very good. Makes your parents happy. Three three degrees, uh, three uh, three years. This is a very, very good bargain. Well, it, it is a bargain. And uh, by, by the way, people always say, of course, you can't do that now. You know, things have changed. You know, all this thing about getting into school, kids wait for the envelopes to come back, you know. I never did that, just showed up, you know. Now I have a kid that works for me now, Patrick Lynch. And Patrick, I met him in high school. He was a troubled kid. 
He was mother had died of cancer. I mean, you know, I always say to everyone I meet, you know, if you're interested in what I do, just come come see me. You know, I I work in my carriage house behind my house in Providence. Just come. And most people don't come, but then occasionally people come. You know, when they come, if they stay long enough, then. I don't know. We pay them something, you know. It's you know that's how it works, you know. And then stay as long as you wish, you know. I I I like people around, and I don't. So, but Patrick has been around forever. Then he, uh, uh, I he went to uh, University of Rhode Island. He wanted to go to a graduate school, and he didn't know what to do. I thought, well, is it Yale? Is it Carnegie Tech? You know, whatever. And uh, I thought actually Carnegie would be the best place for him. So I just took him by the hand one year. And and they always have a little presentation, the people from Carnegie, the Mullen, as they call it now. And I just took him by the hand and walked him over, and there was the faculty. And I said, hi, guys, meet Patrick. I've had him for years now. He's all yours. <laughs> and that was that. And they took him. And uh, he, he spent three years there and got his MFA, and and now and then he went to New York for a few years, but now he's back with me in Providence. So, mm-hmm. but I think you just have to sometimes just show up. You know, I I, what, I mean, the, if I just showed up, I, I had no money to go home. I, I, I you know, it would have been hard. Well, you're mentioning Providence, so let's let's go to that. You have had this extraordinarily long relationship with Trinity Repertory Company through a series of artistic directors now, going back to Adrian Hall in 67. As I understand, you didn't know Adrian. It was sort of a fix-up. Roger Morgan put put the two of you together. Oh, it's all true. Roger was met Roger at Carnegie Tech. He was in a drawing class, a two-dimensional drawing class. And he had gone someplace before, I forget, and I, I had gone someplace before the University of Wisconsin. So, we, I don't know, we, we, we became friends, I, I, you know, and um, because, you know, that's, yeah, it was Roger. And then well, I, after, I was out working in some godforsaken theater, like, I think it was in Buffalo. I think that's no longer in existence. The old studio arena. I think it's yeah. not even there anymore. No, it's not. No. So, and I got a call from Roger saying, I'm working here in Providence with this very strange guy, you know, and you're a little funny, so maybe, you know, you might like him. You know, Lynn Peck, he, had, he was using Lynn Pechtel, a wonderful guy, but he was unhappy with Lynn. It was a kind of traditional scene painterly kind of designer, you know, has a, one, a few books out, nice guy. So he was looking for someone else. So, uh, uh, I don't know. So I went to Providence. I met the technical director, picked me up in a Porsche. <laughs> he was living up on the hill with some girlfriend, you know. Hip guy, had a degree in English from Brown, you know. I like that. I always thought it was really he who made the decision about me, not Adrian, you know. I mean, you know, and then I met Adrian, and I thought Steve Crowley gave the thumbs up, you know. <laughs> He's okay, you know. And then, I don't know, I did one show, and uh, everyone seemed to be happy with it. It was a three-penny opera, actually, and everyone seemed happy with it in a little theater, a little church theater you know, which is still around. And then, you know, I did the next one and the next show. And then Adrian went away for the summer. We, I hit it off with Adrian quite well. I don't know why. A very strange man and uh, interesting guy and had all kinds of philosophic issues about how the theater should be done that I happen to agree with. Can uh, you explain what was it that you found in common about making theater? Oh, well, there was a lot of things. You know, we had the best of time. Uh uh, working. I mean, the uh, 
I don't know. You know, we didn't. He was like me. I he didn't. You know, he. Had, I don't know. I. You know, he had had. He had come to New York after school, and he. I think he had bad experiences in the city, and then wanted his own company, and he jumped at the chance. I think to go to Providence, and then it was at a time too that the federal government was actually sponsoring the arts. It seems impossible now when they're cutting everything, every place. Well, we had the know. Ford Foundation in those days. Yes. The NEA was well, new. There yes. was a lot of support for the start of these regional theaters, and you got to. It was terrific. You and got it, to Trinity well, three years into its run. Yes, and it was like I don't know. Yes, and there was enough money, you know, and the, you know that we have all these hippies building scenery. You know, it was kind of great. You know, and Adrian didn't really. I don't know. It wasn't a lot about what the scenery looked like. You know, it was how it related to the audience. And well, I actually did one proscenium production with Adrian. I forget what it was now, and that because I and then and this was in a theater that uh, belonged to the Rhode Island School of Design that we used, and it was a proscenium theater. Deep seats went very deep, kind of boxy place stage at the end, and I did one show on the stage, and it was awful, of course. And I said never again. And then the seats started coming out, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and we did bad things to it. And then you know he had funny ideas. He he believed, of course, that. Uh, he didn't believe there was never any like well there was a lot of things I really loved about him there was no production managers there was no production meetings there was no you know one went to one went to the spaghetti place to have a dinner you know and talk about things you know he didn't believe in recorded sound uh, when we used to, when we eventually did shows at the public I mean uh, in the park in the summer he would we did a show once where an actor came up holding a gramophone over his head this was just because he hated the recorded, the amplified sound hmm. uh, in the park, and this was his little gesture that everything was coming out of this little speaker, you know. Hmm. So I don't know. He was also we didn't. It all it all has become. I I don't say it negatively. All, all very corporate now. The way regional theaters work. I work at a lot of them. You know. Hmm. You know. There's preliminary drawings months ahead of the show happening. We never started building a set until it was in rehearsal for weeks because how could you build a set for something that everyone should have an opinion about, including the actors? This is not done now. I mean, now it's all very formalized. I mean, it's okay. It's just not... not as much fun. I mean, you know, that's all. There was an aesthetic. I certainly didn't go in in your very early years at Trinity, but when I was going there with some regularity in the 80s, where I sort of saw that on stage. I mean, All the King's Men, a great production that Adrian did that you designed. I remember it as being some platforms, some door frames, a few props. It didn't seem heavily designed. No, not really. No. I don't know. Things were kind of... It was a very special time. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a kind of a Trinity way, mm-hmm. which still kind of, in some strange way, still is around there. I mean, it's not like it used to be, but, you know, the company is terribly important. Adrian, would he'd rather have a company that he could use, even if the casting was imperfect, hmm. r- rather than he, he would rather, you know... He had funny ways. You know, I just recently did a show with him. He would just say uh, to an actor, you know, could you play that? And the actor said, I, I, I don't know how to play it. Just play it. Just play it. Hmm. Play it. You know, and, that's you know, helpful direction. Yeah, he was, yeah, no, he, he was great. You know, I don't know. It was fun. Certainly, from the time you got to Trinity in 67, you began to do work, certainly that I found on Broadway, only a few years later. 
certainly the first few were not pieces that had long lives. Wilson and the Promised Land, the famous dude, you know, but but was, (laughs) you've already talked, you've already said, I think more than once, about not liking the proscenium. So I'm wondering how you reconcile Broadway. Well, proscenium just, I've gotten better at it. Proscenium kind of suggests picture, you know, pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm not much into pictures, so uh, you know, uh, so that so I'm not much into proscenium's. You know, I I just did a, a you know arena stage, uh, uh, spent uh, um, two hundred and sixty-five million dollars redoing that theater complex, and I did their first show with the Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and of course I said to Molly Smith, who I never worked with before, and I like her quite a lot. Well, where do you put the orchestra? And she said. Uh, well, we usually put it under the stage. I'm saying, you got to be kidding. What do you mean, under the stage? How can you put it under the stage? And, well, they go under the stage, and there's a hole, and the conductor pops his head out, and that's how we do it. Uh, you know, I was like, no, no, no. We have to all be in one room. We can't have the orchestra, you know? And so and once I again, said, you, stop, you, take, stop taking the seats out, You guys. did. You took out seats, and you yeah. placed them kind of in a booth over one section. Well, it was supposed to be, the, you know, in the, in the, the old schoolhouse being com- uncompleted schoolhouse, you know, what it was, you know. Hmm. At least that's what I thought it was. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, in terms of... I'm getting better at proscenium slow. <laughs> <laughs> after I, after I tried, decades I, in the business. Well, you know, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, I mentioned at the beginning that you've worked on Saturday Night Live since its inception. Is doing Saturday Night Live sort of like doing old-time summer stock, a show a week with multiple sets? Well, it's... Uh, it's a very special show, you know. It, it's I, I um, it's not. I, I got hired because you know only recently that I learned they did a biography of Saturday Night Live, and the producer of that TV production said to me, "Why, why did you get hired?" Because I don't know, you know, I'm not too good at getting hired. I don't make any effort at all, really. It's, I mean, I don't go out looking. I never don't know what to do. And that people just either call me or they don't, I guess. You know, I'm a little. So I don't know. I said, he said, how I, I said, go ask Lauren, Mike, Lauren Michaels, my producer, if you want to know. I don't know why he hired. So it turns, of course, uh, I knew a little bit, but I didn't really know. He, he, you know, when he came looking for a set designer for Saturday night, he's from Canada. He looked around and um, he didn't find anyone he liked, you know. And so uh, he he saw Candide on Broadway, which you know, which and he saw Alice in Wonderland that I had done off Broadway, which I didn't know he had ever seen. Uh, it was kind of fun because you had to crawl into the space through a little door, which was great. And you sat on kind of bad bleachers, you know, with a few seats, a few seats, uh, chairs, kind of nailed to the bleachers for those people who needed a back. Hmm. And it was lit by about two lights. It was kind of great. And, um, you know, and, you know, that's how I got hired. And it's a, I don't know. Yes, it is kind of like uh, a summer stock. I always think of it as kind of very expensive summer stock midtown. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's like. Has little stages. How does that stay? I mean, I know that there are different sketches every week, certainly. but, But how does that stay fresh for you doing that gig for now, thirty six, thirty seven years. Well, I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I missed a few years, you know, in the middle, 
I wasn't quite there all the time. Was that the, the famous Lauren, point in around 1980 well, when, when Gene Dumanian Yes, was there? it was a few years. For, yeah. Because when Lauren left, you know, I went with Lauren, and then when Lauren came back, I came back, you know. And I, it was like four years or five years. I don't know what it was. And um, I don't know. It's very sweet. Uh, I, you know, we're in the uh, – I, I walked over here to give this interview where we have Lady Gaga on and Justin Timberlake, you know. And so um, – uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's just that it's, it's, it's a very strange thing. You know, it's, it, it's, it'll never. I don't know what will happen to it. Uh, when I turned seventy-two last year, or recently, fairly recent, uh, my producer said to me, you know, I said maybe I should call it crits. You know, and he said, no, no, you have to hang in for ten more years. So I'm, I'm trying to hang it, but uh, uh, you know it's a hard show to do. I mean, we it's, it's crammed into a very short time period between Wednesday and Saturday. But uh, we had our read through the other day uh, uh, on Wednesday, you know, and uh, <laughs> they tortured me. You know, the, the writers, you know, wrote me into the last sketch. You know, and gave me tons of lines. It was really quite <laughs> terrifying. You know, I hate to. Uh, be in front of people. I, it's bad enough in front of this mic, you know. But uh, uh, so they wrote. So they wrote me into their sketch. It wasn't really meant to be on air, of course. I don't think, but it was quite nice, you know, of them <laughs> to do it. You know, people all day today. People have been wandering up to me and saying, "You did a pretty good job," you know, because I didn't. You know, I get to this. I get to. I'm holding the script, you know, and I suddenly look down and it says, "Eugene Lee stands up." And I'm like speechless. <laughs> anyway, it's a sweet place. We've mentioned a couple of shows that you've done with him, Sweeney Todd and Candide. But in the same way I asked you about working with Adrian Hall, what was the experience of working with Hal Prince? You've collaborated over many years from the Candide, the Sweeney Todd, mm. Merrily We Roll Along to the showboat that I mentioned earlier on. Uh, and many other shows. Uh, is there a particular way that you work with Hal that might, say, be different than the way you work with Adrian? Well, it's just a different... Everyone is different, you know. Joe Mantello is different than Adrian Hall, and Molly Smith is different than Harold Prince. They're all interesting people, you know. I don't know. But when you have a sustained relationship with well, someone usually, like Hal, well, what, keeps, they, you go, I, I what was, keeps you going back? Well, I, well, I don't, I don't go back. They, I, I don't, you know... They, I, I live in Providence, you know. That's one of my little funny problems. I don't really live in New York. I don't know why. I guess I don't like the thought of living in New York. I mean, I, I like the thought of having getting in my Volkswagen and driving to the art store. Maybe it's the Midwestern thing, or maybe I just don't like big cities. I don't know what it is. I, oh, Harold Prince. I love Harold. The best thing I learned about Harold Prince, I mean, of course, he's very uh, demanding, naturally. I, I, I found he's a fascinating guy. He's been very nice to me. He, he's, he's near me at Rockefeller Center. You know, I used to – he's changed offices a number of times, but I used to be able to look out my office on the 17th floor and see his office across the <laughs> way. And I could tell if his shades were up or down, whether he was in town or not. So – and uh, – you know, it was what was the one of the best things about Harold is that when you know you sometimes in the rehearsal process one would I really mean this you'd look out into the house and there were all the princes sitting like ducks in a row boom 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 Daisy Charlie you know uh, he really you know 
you know, the family is real. It was very important to him, and you know, it, you know, theater is important, of course, but family is probably more important, you know, in, in the whole thing. So, I don't know. Inter- interesting guy, Harold Prince. Hmm. Really interesting guy. Now that I'm thinking about it, I haven't seen him this year. I often go over for a cup of tea, you know, and see how he is. You know, I as we all get older, you know, makes one nervous. Hmm. I want to ask you about one production with Hal, which is Merrily We Roll Along, which he has freely said he didn't really know what to do with the piece. Was that a challenge for you? that show um and and figuring out how to how to present that well you know it failed that's all i mean you know things you know i don't uh it just failed that's all mm-hmm. I, I mean things things succeed and things fail i don't i don't uh, uh you know i it was a failure uh, uh for lots but of do you think that artistically was your work on it rewarding to you or did it just not work through and through well i don't it, it i i just you know i i don't know I, I think it was just a failure that i mean probably was my failure i i'm, I'm always happy to take the blame oh, i wasn't you know, suggesting no, no, that but I, you see, I know but i i don't i don't know i don't you know it's it's um i think if you if, if you i mean i always look at it i do the best i can sometimes mm. uh, uh you know he Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it's just fabulous. And, and uh, but if you if you draw on it too deeply, you you have to just leave the business because the theater, you know, you just to fail so publicly. If if that bothers you, then you know there's nothing worse than the bad review in the Times. You know, mm. I mean, you worked really hard on it, and and then you know there's no. I don't. I think not about it because. Uh, uh, I don't know who told me, you know, the, uh, reviews, uh, I try to avoid reviews in general because if it's a good, you have a big head and that's bad. If it's bad, it makes you angry. You say, well, I guess they just didn't get it. Well, I don't know. So I just try to avoid the whole thing. I don't, you know. Hmm. Let me ask you about Wicked. Yeah. How... I've asked this question of a number of the creative people, and I'm always curious yes, I heard how you that had, answer. I, I heard you had Joe by. Just a couple of weeks That's ago. That's what I heard. How did you go about conceiving the world of Oz when most everyone in America had a very distinct vision of what Oz was from the movie The Wizard of Oz? Oh, well... That's easy. <laughs> First of all, well, I mean, Wicked is it so? Wicked is its own special little issue, you know. Um, uh, I got to hardly know what to say. The because uh, uh, you know, I'm tempted to say read my book. It'll <laughs> be coming out soon, September. Uh, I'm told uh, it always starts with a phone call. Okay, because I don't live in New York, someone calls and someone says, hi, (laughs) we have this show. You don't know anything about it. They say it's about the it's kind of the backstory of the Wizard of Oz. And we're looking for a set designer. Uh, Are you interested? Have any interest? And you say, 
okay, sure, send some music and send the script along. That's how I always say, I, I, I'd love to see it, you know. So they sent a script, they sent the music, and the music sounded awful, sounded like cats screaming. It was from some workshop I think they had done in uh, L.A., I don't remember exactly. And um, so, you know, um, then, of course, one learned that it was a troubled production. You know, often is, you know, that, you know, it had... They already had had a designer who was fired, you know, who was from Canada, you know, who was designing sets and costumes and, and, um, and, and you know, I don't know. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of like a positive person in a way. I, I just like working on things. So I got it and I thought, well, this is my wife said to me, Brooke, she said she had read the book because she reads everything, unlike me. And, uh, she, and she said, it's a, it's a kind of sweet book, you know. If it's anything half as good as the book, you should get the job. It's, it's, it's kind of fun. So I thought, okay, sure, let's look at it. And um, I, um, I don't know, you know. And then uh, I, there was no director. Or any, I didn't know anything about it. And uh, so we just, we just built uh, my friend Patrick, aforementioned Patrick, uh, was with me. And... Uh, I thought, well, I'll just um, do a model. So I called Carnegie Mullen, as they call it now, and said, do you have a costume designer who can draw me some little people? It's for a little project I'm doing. They won't get the job. Don't get me wrong, but you can't go wrong. It's going to be interesting, and I'll pay them for their time and whatever. And 15 minutes back, someone called and said they would do it. So and I, uh, a nice girl, and and I had her come. I flew her down to Providence and explained it all to her, and she, she went back and did little sketches that we eventually reduced to half inch scale hmm. and and then uh, um, I don't know we built we just the script was very confusing uh, I mean it was written it, as it turns out by a television person uh, so that it wasn't exactly like when, when you got a script from Harold Prince it was usually transitions and things made sense I mean he had already really looked at it carefully but this was not like that it jumped all over the place you know and so I don't know I just we just thought, well, let's just make the big model. So, you know, we made a big model of it. And, and it's great when you have no director. You can just put on your directing hat. And and so that's what we did. And uh, we just made it up, you know. And hmm. uh, the we decided uh, finally, uh, uh, you know, I mean – I, I love the big – in the book, there, were, there was a chapter about the clock of the time dragon. And it had a – it was like it described as this kind of cart with stages, little – that little people pushed from town to town. And, and at a clock on the top of it was a dragon, and it described the dragon as mechanical and leather and – so I thought, dragon, I love dragons, let's have the dragon, you know, so we put the dragon up, and then, you know, it was all meant to, and then we, you know, we started with gears and things, we, because I hate moving scenery that just moves without any logic, you know, there's a track in the floor, and mm-hmm. it moves, and I thought, what, well, maybe it's a clock, maybe it's, and then we, we got into the gears and stuff, but we just made it all up, because, you know, there was no director or anything, so, and um, that I, you know, and then it was like I was doing a little show with Oscar at the, the Manetta Lane Theater, which I'm very fond of. This the, was Thunder Knocking on the Thunder Door. Thunder Knocking on the Door. Not, not a particularly successful project. It's but been very successful in a number of regional I theaters. think it's – yes. It's, yeah, this happens, you know. But in this case, it was okay. And, it, you know, it was – 
we had done it in Providence, and then, you know, uh, I was kind of sentimental because right down Mineta Lane is the fat on the wall, fading, is a big sign that says fat black pussycat. And that was the first place I ever did anything in New York, I, okay? <laughs> and I think I actually paid for the scenery. I don't hmm. remember the project, but I remember the theater and its name. So, I, I, you know, it was kind of sentimental. So we brought being at the Mineta Lane. And, and so and we, I had this half-inch model brought into New York. We set it up in the upper lobby. And, um, you know, and Joe was doing his baseball play, whatever it was called, over the, at the public theater. Take me out. That's it. And he was to come by and look at it. So uh, I don't know what other people – now, obviously, other people were asked to look at this project. And, you know, we don't know what other people did. I mean, I always think there are a certain amount of people who are like, I'm a genius, call my agent, or – what, are you asking me to audition or whatever their attitude is? Never my attitude, by the way. I, I don't think that way. I always think like it'll just be another project to go in the book if it never happens, you know, and that'll be good too. And I will have, have fun doing it. So, uh, so you know, we set it up. And I, also I had been up. I love antiques of all kinds. My house is a clutter of them in Rhode Island. And, and I, we, I had find, found a little green uh, witch that was a little gift for the director. He loved to give people gifts. So he uh, anyway. So he came over, and and we all and we did the show for him. We sat him down in front of the little model, and we moved everything around. You know, did the whole show hmm. our way. And he, he Joe, uh, you've had him. He's a very serious fellow. He he sat there staring at it quite intensely. You know, and uh, afterwards said. Uh, Boy, I don't exactly see it this way, but this is pretty good. <laughs> he said, you, 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 you could help me block it. I said, certainly. <laughs> and then uh, the next day they called me, the producers or the gem business person. I said, could you bring the model uptown to, some, to an office on 42nd Street and show it to other people? So we dragged the model uptown. And we did the little show again uptown. Hmm. And, of course, uh, I suddenly – Stephen Schwartz was there, and I suddenly remembered Stephen Schwartz. I hadn't thought about him. He knew me right away, and I couldn't figure out why he knew me. Uh, it took me a while to kind of figure it out. It turned out after Candide, there was a show called The Magic Show. And I, I was asked to do it. And I, I said I'd do it, but that I was going to go to the Caribbean and that we were planning on doing that. And if they could wait, uh, I would be happy to do it. And, of course, they said, well, I guess you, <laughs> you don't get the job. So hmm. I went to the Caribbean and they did the magic show with others. others. So uh, um, that's how I knew Steven yeah, because I had met him then, I guess. Um, I don't know. So, um, so Wicked, in many ways, it sounds like you designed it on your own, as you said. You got to I be did. the and director. And I would say, I would say, then uh, you know, we Joe, Joe, Joe is a fabulous director, uh, very hard to work for, but uh, uh, that doesn't, you know, make me dis, you know, like him or dislike him. He, he's a very interesting fellow. You know, he's a good, act. He, he really is, hmm. interesting actor, interesting director, a very logical guy. You know, hard time explaining what he likes or what he wants, but that's okay. You know, um, 
I think it came out, you know, pretty good, you know, considering everything. Well, I think there's an awful lot of people. I mean, it's not I mean, my fa- it's not my it's not my I mean, people I always thought, you see, it's funny how people are, you know. I I have a wonderful uh theatrical uh lawyer who I inherited basically. I have to thank Harold Prince because he Got me, you know. Once, once I did what the first show I did, I had no representation, and I, and I, and and I, I said to Harold, I, I, I feel I need to have some, I, you know, someone represent me, and he said, okay, Eugene, go see. You can go see my guy, Frank Weisberg. You know, mm-hmm. and Frank Weisberg, you know, was like the dean of theatrical law. You know, represented all these big shots. You know, and so we we were like the peasants. You know, so anyway, and then when when Frank became a judge and was hanging people for parking violations uh, uh, whatever he did uh, I went with a, he had to leave his firm and the firm some of the people left and I went with the, the younger people you know but they always said like I was said in San Francisco I don't know about Wicked Wicked's just strange I mean it's a hit I'm telling you because they everyone said ah, it'll go for a couple of years maybe you might get a couple of years out of it you know what I'm saying no <laughs> no I'm telling you I'm telling you there's something very different about this I've done I can't Put it into words. In San Francisco, even though there was a lot of changes made before New York, it was it was sold out instantly. People came out to see it. You couldn't get a ticket, you know. And it, I don't know. It just has a. Who can ever explain it? It's like explaining uh, why does Phantom work? I don't know why. I mean, who can figure it hmm. out? It's not that good. Well, it's probably- neither is Wicked. I mean, it's 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 kind. Some I I kind of you know it, it's. It's appealing in some way. But it's appealing in a way that it's probably the set you designed that is the most seen piece of Absolutely. scenic design no. for the stage that you've, you've ever Absolutely. had. Absolutely. Are there... Never are, hurts to have a hit. It's called, <laughs> it's called the commercial theater. <laughs> are there sets that you've designed that you think back on fondly and say, you know, you just mentioned one show, um, this uh, master build you just did, which you said is your best work. In 10 years, what do you think – are there other shows that you would say are your best work? Oh, I don't know. I Listen, I don't – Okay. I don't think that way. I, th- th- scenery is highly overrated. <laughs> That's what I really think, uh, to be honest. But uh, no, I don't know. It's more the fun of it. I mean, I've done a lot of shows recently with Gordon Edelstein uh, in, at Long, at Long Wharf, yep. who I've had just – we actually did a flop on Broadway showing you can overcome flops and then be the best of friends. I've had a, a really good time in New Haven at the Long Wharf. You know, it's um, – and, and I've done a number of new uh, Fruit Guard plays. He's become a good friend. I really love him a lot. You know, uh, we went and researched one of our – the first Fruit Guard play – we went to New Bethesda, uh, South Africa, to, hmm. to re- research it. You know, it was really fabulous. Let us stay. And he, he said he had two houses in New Bethesda. And we, had, we could stay at the best house. And we did. It, it wasn't so good. Working at a space good. like Long Wharf, working at, say – I love Long you Wharf, know, actually. It's a meat market. I well, it is. It. It's I a meat market. You, you forced them to excavate a bit. You didn't find anything below it. But when you talk about working – in an empty space, an open space, a space that's not defined, a space like Long Wharf or a space like Arena Stage, they have very specific requirements that you have to work within. Do you now enjoy limitations or do you still yearn for the open space? No, I, it's not even like that. Last year I did, I don't know, 
Trente shells, easy. Hmm. Okay. Um, all kinds. Everything is a different challenge. Sometimes having a limitation is kind of good, you know? I mean, I, now that I'm a hit with Oklahoma down there in D.C., they've asked me to do Music Man. Hmm. Okay, I don't, I, I'm kind of excited about doing it. I don't, it fits into the time, my, my, my thinking of the world at the moment because, you know, Music Man in my book, my problem is not going to be the set, it's going to be the music. Hmm. The, uh, is that, you know, it's about, it's the Republicans' version of, of arts in America. Not, nothing. A library that's going to go out of business, a town that's bleak with no art because no one can pay for any of it. You know, oh, it's a perfect show to do in Washington, D.C. I can hardly wait. But mm. uh, it's going to be a little hard after the Oklahoma, you know. Oklahoma was great because it was all about oil. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Have you ever wanted to direct? Because I heard you, as you were talking about the Wicked set, and you sort of mm. said you got to be mm. the director as you designed it in a way. Oh, yeah. No, a lot of what I did ended up on on, on the stage. Not really. I, I you know, I, from time to time, uh, you know, uh, I don't think so. Hmm. Too many good directors out there, you know. Okay. You said earlier on that you like talking to students, and as you've gotten older, you've enjoyed it even more. What can can you give me a few? thoughts that you think are important for, we'll say, design students in general, not just set design students, are there things that you like to say to those students when you have the opportunity? I always have a few for you young people working for me, you know, uh, in Providence, usually. I mean, sometimes they're from RISD, some, the Rhode Island School of Design. Sometimes they're from Brown University. Sometimes they're, the, the, the latest one was, was in the literary department at Trinity Rep. And the uh, artistic director said to me, I have this kid, you know, he's in the literary department, uh, but he wants to be a set designer. So, you know. So I took him because, you know, it was – I don't know. I would like to uh, have a – because, you know, I think the best way to uh, – I don't know. Education has a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, uh, the way it's turned out. You know, some theater group down south last year or two years ago gave me some piece of plastic, you know. And I was surprised – went down and gave a little speech, you know. And I was surprised at how many – you know, every university has uh, – drama program. There's a million design programs all over the country. It's, it's like a, I don't know, it's like what happened. it seems like a self-fulfilling thing, you know. Um, people go to these schools, they, then they try to make a living, profe- you know, I, I, then they, I don't know, they get an MFA and pretty soon they're teaching and most of the people have worked in my little studio because, you know, I think you learn more in kind of a a studio mentor kind of situation where you're working on all kinds of things, whether, I mean, people who work with me, we're working on all, all, all kinds of different things at once. You know, we're working on regional theater projects. We're working on companies of Wicked, whether they're, you know, going, you know, thinking about, you know, where Wicked can go, whether it can go to Indonesia, whether it go, can, can, can go to China. The theaters over there are different. We're working... I, 
uh, on architectural projects sometime, uh, um, you know, uh, working on Broadway projects sometimes. I mean, you know, it's all this stuff happening. Uh, we, we sometimes are building models on things that we know what we're never going to get, you know, or ideas of Eugene that he wants to try out. I always... We have a water fire thing in Providence that some artist does, you know, an installation we do on the rivers, you know. A friend of mine from RISD designed it. You know, I've always wanted to have Prometheus. He's behind the skating rink, I think, at at Rockefeller Center. I want a big pageant wagon of Prometheus accepting fire from the heavens, you know, to show how it gets to the rivers, you know. So, yeah, and we have to discuss how the gas company will fund this. You know, it's getting harder Hmm. to do these projects now because money is tight. Hmm. You know, the Providence just asked me to design some kind of performing arts center downtown in Kennedy Plaza where buses now roam, but they're going to get rid of the, some of the buses and they want something built down there. So I don't know. I think people learn more working on all these things and, you know, it's good to have them, you know. Hmm. Well, on that note, I want to say that as I prepared for this, I was struck by how many of my favorite experiences in the theater you designed the Sweeney Todd that I mentioned before, all the King's Men at Trinity, a number at New York Theater Workshop. It's really extraordinary to me how much your work has tracked through my theater going. And for that and for being with us today, Eugene Lee, thank you for being with us on Downstage Center. Thank you very much. Our engineer for this Downstage Center program is John Kilgore. Post-production is by Chad Bernhard. Our researcher is Craig Thompson. Our director of web development is Rob Perry. And our producer is Gail Yankosik. This edition of Downstage Center was recorded at John Kilgore Sound and Recording in Manhattan. Along with this program, all of the educational and media work of the American Theatre Wing is available online, on demand, for free, from americantheaterwing.org. You can follow ATW on Twitter at The Wing, and follow me as well on Twitter as H.E. Sherman. You can also declare yourself as one of our fans on Facebook at The American Theatre Wing, and be sure to check out our YouTube channel. If you're a regular listener to or viewer of Wing programs, please remember that we are a not-for-profit organization and consider giving us financial support to sustain our work. Just visit the website and click on Support ATW. For Downstage Center in the American Theatre Wing, I'm Howard Sherman. Thanks for listening, and no matter where you live, I hope we'll see you at the theatre.